They say markets work a certain way. They say if you want high returns, you have to accept higher risks. Cox Automotive says, you take the upside, we'll take the risk. Introducing Upside by Cox Automotive, the all-new way to wholesale that turns that old wisdom upside down. Visit TakeTheUpside.com to learn more. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. I'm Jake Neer with Automotive News, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... Elon Musk unloads $4 billion of Tesla stock after buying Twitter. Nissan profits soar on better pricing. And Lucid posts a net loss of $670 million in Q3. Plus, the CEO of insurance tech company, Human AI, talks about how mapping risk through a vehicle's journey could help address insurance issues for automakers and drivers. Cost of insurance is is a big problem for for individuals and and for fleets as well. So it's a problem worth solving. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has sold at least $3.95 billion of the electric vehicle maker's shares. This comes just days after Musk closed his deal to buy Twitter. According to new regulatory filings, Musk unloaded almost 20 million shares. The documents didn't indicate that the transactions were pre-planned. In August, Musk said he was done offloading Tesla stock and that it was important to avoid an emergency sale of the shares in case he was forced to close the Twitter acquisition and struggled to bring in additional equity partners. Operating profit at Nissan rose 45% in the latest quarter. The automakers saw a more profitable mix of product and foreign exchange gains, which offset high costs and supply chain chaos. Even amid sliding unit sales, Nissan said higher revenue per vehicle and better pricing power has helped bolster profitability as the company continues on its recovery track. Operating profit climbed to almost $635 million in the July through September period, delivering a 3.6% profit margin that's up from 3.3% a year earlier and a step toward Nissan's midterm goal of delivering a sustainable 5% operating profit margin. But net income fell 68% in the quarter. That was in large part due to a big one-time charge for the cost of quitting its Russia business. Meanwhile, Lucid reported a third-quarter net loss of $670 million, but the EV startup reiterated its production goal of 6,000 to 7,000 units of its air electric sedan this year after dealing with supply chain issues and growing pains. The automaker reported revenue of almost $200 million in the quarter, compared with just 232000 a year earlier. The company's stock price fell 13% to under $12 per share in aftermarket trading after Lucid posted the results. We expect to see Rivian's third quarter earnings report today. The maker of the electric R1T pickup and R1S SUV is under pressure to boost output and maintain demand amid a cooling economy. Financial analysts expect revenue of about $550 million, but also another net loss. And Honda dealers in the U.S. will likely have a hand in servicing, but not selling the new wave of electric vehicles coming from the company's new joint venture with Sony. That's the message from Honda executives at headquarters in Japan. Speaking at the company's financial results announcement Wednesday, CFO Kohei Takeuchi said the sales model will be a completely new one, echoing early talk of an online approach. 
Takeuchi said the sales and servicing plan is still under discussion, but he had added Honda has a network of more than a thousand U.S. dealers who are well situated to service the new cars. And those are today's headlines coming up. Human AI CEO Mark Musson joins us to talk about his company's effort to map risk in every route for fleet customers. That's next on Daily Drive. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance. Hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Some dealers say it's not worth taking a trade they won't retail. They say if it doesn't fit their brand, they'd rather pass. Cox Automotive says now you can easily see the profit in any trade and never risk losing that new customer. Introducing Upside by Cox Automotive, the only way to wholesale that turns that old wisdom upside down. Every vehicle you place in the Upside digital auction is backed by our guaranteed minimum price, so you never risk a loss. And when a vehicle sells for more than our guarantee, you keep the lion's share of the Upside. It's a one-of-a-kind auction that gives you an alternative to accepting wholesale losses, and it's built on the principles of the country's top-performing wholesale sellers, so your vehicles have the best possible chance to get bids and get bought. Dealers taking advantage of Upside's game-changing policies are already saying yes to more trades and making more money, all while never risking a loss. Sound too good to be true? Visit TakeTheUpside.com now to learn more. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. The insurance technology company Human AI says it has transformed the way connected commercial vehicles are insured. It combines an operating system designed specifically for commercial vehicles with dedicated risk management and behavioral science teams to map the risk along each route and reduce those risks on the road. Our own Jamie Butters caught up with Human AI CEO Mark Musson last week in Lisbon at Web Summit. Here's their conversation. Mark Musson, welcome to Daily Drive. Hi, Jamie. Good to be here. Great to meet you here at Web Summit. Um, so tell me, what is Human AI? So Human AI is a platform that reduces risk for commercial vehicle insurance. Um, and we do this using uh, deep learning techniques and a lot of data. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of data. You have a system that your platform is built into the vehicles that you're using to gather data and analyze driving behavior? So we, we, we work in the cloud, but we take um, a lot of data, some of it from the vehicle. Um, interestingly enough, we worked really hard to use um, as little data from the vehicle as possible, uh, given the difficulty of, of shipping it around. So the minimum we need to, uh, to, to do our work uh, is a one hertz GPS speed, and this can even be bundled into little mini batches, but, but it's been a long and hard journey to uh, build models that are able to work on such a thin source of data. Uh, and then we, sorry, we just use a, you know, we use a lot of extraneous um, uh, environmental and contextual data. Uh, so I can, you know, I can tell you a little bit more about that, but we use so, a significant number of, of external sources. So it isn't so much about the vehicle or even the, the driver as much as their environmental uh, situation? A absolutely. And when you think about it, the, the risk really sits within the environmental situation. So how you drive is, is, is not necessarily what's uh, making things more risky or more expensive to drive. It's when and where. And um, it's uh, things like that you wouldn't really think about. So, for example, with our models, 
um, the, the weather um, is, is, is important, but it's only important really to discover whether it's sunny or cloudy. And, and interestingly enough, um, the thing that we've learned is, is that uh, sunny weather is actually slightly more risky than cloudy weather. <laughs> and, and sunny weather in winter because the sun's lower and therefore gets in your eyes. So these are all the things that data can tell you that you wouldn't naturally think about. Uh, that's that's uh, pretty remarkable. I would not have guessed that. You have a partnership with Ford while you're in this stage of your development. Tell me a little about that. Yeah, so so because we were able to finally start processing on a, on a fairly thin source of data, we're working with, um, with Ford in the UK to launch a pilot whereby we're using the actual data feed from, Ford, from the Ford vehicle itself, um, which if you think about it is quite interesting because we're taking out all of the, the need for third-party data sources. Uh, and then we are embedding um, uh, the the entire sort of uh, Ford commercial vehicle fleet onto our platform, so that when they drive off the driveway, they have the possibility to be insured um, via our via our product and via our platform. And doing this jointly with Ford, yes. Is the ultimate idea that somebody like Ford would use uh, your insights to offer an insurance product of their own? Uh, that that's that's certainly one um, one sort of way that we could configure the product and, and it's an interesting way. So we, that would be the, the use case of uh, Tesla insurance, but for everyone else. So it's embedded in the vehicles uh, and it uses behavioral and contextual risk. And, and it's hugely uh, beneficial to, to Ford as a company or for uh, an OEM as a company, for example, um, whereby you're getting to a scenario where you can actively uh, influence the cost of insurance. And when you think about it from a commercial perspective, cost of insurance is, is, a, is a big problem for, for individuals and, and for fleets as well. So it's a problem worth solving. So, uh, but this is more of a, who are the customers? It's not gonna be me as an individual driver uh, installing your system to figure out how I can reduce my insurance bill. No, that's a great question. Uh, that's a great question, exactly. And the, our, our, our best customers are um, the asset owners, if you like. So when you think about the asset owner, um, it's where you have a number of vehicles um, because then you can start to influence behavior. So an asset owner could be a fleet operator, um, it could be a corporate fleet for example, or it could be some sort of closed loop system like a ride share or a car sharing platform as an example. And then on the other side it can be sort of uh, the OEM finance companies who are doing bundles of lease, uh, leases for a number of uh, commercial vehicles. So a sort of uh, a prototypical fleet product that's sold by the by the OEM themselves off the driveway. So tell me a little about your background. Uh, are you from insurance or the auto industry? No, no, no. My guidance counselor never said, Mark, you're going to work in insurance <laughs> one day. Um, I, um, I have like three careers. My first career was in the 90s where um, I discovered the internet. Um, <laughs> And in the very early days, and the university I was at was the first point of presence in South Africa. Um, and it, it kind of, it was an evolutionary process where I built an ISP because it was quite expensive, so I needed to get someone to pay for it. And then started layering bits onto that platform that were useful to, to, um, to potential customers, transitioning from the, literally the fax and phone era into the sort of digital era. So building web presence and then building an e-commerce marketplace and a payment gateway. So that was the first sort of period. And then that got sold and I started building trading systems to large banks. Um, so my background is working with data, fast data, and then lots of complex data and algorithms to kind of figure stuff out inside those data pools. I guess in a sense, insurance is like a uh, trading floor of sorts. It's two things. It's the original data sciences, sort of the actuaries are the original data scientists at the end of the day. So um, what, it, what, it, what they don't have is the ability to really apply modern techniques to data science. Uh, and then, yes, it is absolutely a trading floor, particularly the, the market we operate in. 
um, where we are taking in bids from a number of different um, sources, so brokers, etc., and then placing that insurance within a marketplace being the carriers that we work with. So it's two things, not one, and it's quite interesting, actually. I'm sure that does make it uh, very interesting and, and challenging. So where is, tell me where human AI is in its growth. Uh, where are you as a company? We're now, how do you quantify growth? I think commercially, um, we've been operating commercially for two years now, and uh, we've built a substantial book of premiums on our, on our own uh, MGA. So we operate um, an insurer or, or a carrier, a carrier light insurer, so an MGA on top of the platform. Uh, and then we are, uh, we've launched in the UK, so we operate primarily in the UK. We're regulated under FCA regulations. And we've just become regulated in, in Europe, um, primarily in Belgium, but with passporting across all of the EU countries. And we're going to be launching in Germany and Spain um, with our own insurance product. Uh, and then the, the second part of, 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 our, of our kind of business plan is to uh, work uh, out the sassification, if you like, of the platform and then to sell that to insurance carriers, um, large global brokers and um, OEMs or rideshare platforms to run their own insurance product and that. Uh, really exciting, we're just about to sign our very first contract with a major insurance carrier in that regard um, to build out insurance, their insurance products on top of our platform uh, to particularly assist them with growing their book by literally doubling the size of their book and it's a very big book. So how does it save Say an insurer, how does it, or a fleet manager, how does it save their money? I mean, that's it's it's interesting because for the first time, and if you think about commercial insurance, it's broken. Um, you receive a PDF on the first of January, and you get a list of your claims and the reason your price is going to go up on the thirty first of December. <laughs> Basically, that's the way it works today. I mean, there's obviously lots of nuances around it, um, and the reason being is because that entry price is based on is built on bias, human bias, and human judgment. Um, and there's no visibility of what happens in the intermining 12 months. So the way that, the pla the way, the way that we work with the platform is, um, firstly, we, uh, I won't go into too much detail, but we're able to uh, quantify the exposure, so the risk of an accident happening for every single trip that a vehicle takes on our platform. And then we're also able to attach a price to that, so a premium. And the way, the way this works now is it's very, very transparent in the intermining 12 months because each trip generates an insurance transaction. You can kind of view this as your utility bill, if you like. So there's a meter that runs, it generates an insurance transaction. Each of those rolls up to a vehicle and all of those vehicles roll up to the fleet and that's your bill for the month and you know why. Uh, then the other pieces that we've wrapped around that is um, our learnings are that just knowing the price doesn't actually change the outcome. So what we need to do is then build in mechanisms to reduce that exposure and that generally means working with the risk manager at whoever the operator is, be it the fleet or, or the OEM, uh, to provide them with the insights to reduce that risk. Uh, and we do this through um, the kind of behavioral models and the pattern-based uh, detection uh, that, uh, that we have inside the platform. And I think I described this to you earlier as in a very simplified way is we know who's going to crash next week. <laughs> uh, so basically we give them tools to say, phone Bob, uh, Bob's going to crash and it's going to cost you a lot of money, so it's probably best that he doesn't crash and you can intervene. In a very simplistic way, all of the data science on the back end generates those outcomes. And then the third thing that we learned is actually they still have to be engaged with the platform and do the work. So we've wrapped sort of SaaS-like tools around the entire platform to do session tracking and management. And our customer success teams work with them to drive that down. Now, what, what we've created is this sort of win-win-win situation because if they do the work and reduce the exposure, 
what's happening is you're also reducing the number of accidents that are going to happen. Because the price is attached to the reduction in exposure, it automatically reduces for, for the end customer, the person paying the bill. So that's a benefit. Um, but also because you're reducing the exposure and therefore having fewer accidents, there are fewer claims, so we're reducing better profit for the insurer on the other side of the transaction. So now we have this win-win and we're able to create this partnership which previously didn't exist. And you take this adversarial relationship with no um, insight into what's happening into a partnership where everyone's incentivized to reduce the risk and therefore produce a better outcome that works for everyone. And if the outcome is even better than expected, you uh, participate in that as well, right? How's the, explain the pricing a little. Yeah, exactly. So um, where, where we are, if we take the two, two versions of the company, our two products, our, our insurance product, um, we have a, a delegated authority with a carrier to place insurance on, on, their, on their balance sheet, if you like, on their behalf. And then within that arrangement, we have what's called a profit share agreement. And if we produce profit over a certain agreed threshold, we get to share in that as well. So for us, that's a better outcome. We take the same view when we move into our SaaS arrangements where we're charging a percentage of the gross written premium on the platform. But then on the back end of that, we're also creating this profit share arrangement where, um, where if we are creating a better outcome than the sort of contracted outcome, we then get to share in that upside along with the, with the carrier as well. So again, we're trying to drive this very um, positive incentivization structure into the entire ecosystem. So everyone works together to crash less and then everyone has a better financial outcome, I guess is the way you can sort of describe it. Very interesting business. Mark Musson, CEO of Human AI. Thank you for so much for joining me today. Jamie, thank you so much for your time as well. It's been great speaking to you. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Kellen Walker. You can get the latest news on new tech, earnings results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for Jamie's conversation with Sano Motors co-founder and CEO Lauren Hahn about the mobility provider's planned mass market solar electric vehicle, which it plans to sell for $25,000. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.